AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. On that end of the floor in the first early minutes of the second half. But the length is so apparent. Collins catch and shoot. It's another three for the spark plug for Arizona State. He's got eight in the second half and a timeout USC. WSU owns the tiebreaker, so if Arizona loses, not only do they give up first place, but there's a game that separates first from fifth. Great ball extra pass. Again. And a three from Caleb Love. Williams gets the ball snapped, rolling right, trying to get there himself, and I think he got out of bounds. No, they say he got there. I thought the ball was on the wrong side of the pylon as he stepped out of bounds. But they said the conversion was good. <laughs> For Kentucky, you can't let Hubbard get it back right now if you're Reeves. Well, he's got and it. he did. And he will shoot it. And he did. And he buried it and to he did. Chance for Kentucky. Shepard got it. He hits it. There are no seconds left on the clock. Is that going to be it? Third and goal for Cincinnati. Higgins at the bottom of your screen. Burrow pressure coming. Looking for Higgins. He's got it. Touchdown. Players not plays. And the player there is T. Higgins. Get you in the mix. They're coming with a blitz. Adams in the slot. O'Connell backpedaling. Throwing end zone. Oh, what a grab. Devontae Adams waited for it and has a touchdown. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports zone guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. And welcome to the Wednesday, February 28th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7, ASU versus the U of A. Who you got tonight? ATS. Caleb Williams, should he be the first selection of the draft? Kentucky, are you impressed now? The Bengals, should they trade T. Higgins? The Raiders, should they trade Devontae Adams? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction to today's pipeline. 10.15 or so, a Caleb Williams NFL draft preview and also some USC football discussion with Ryan Young of Trojan Sports. 10.30, be interactive action at 602-260-1060. Also today's bottom line and some local roundup stuff. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, including the latest line from the scoreboard, rip from the headlines, from the wire, whatever else we can jam into that final segment. Then after the Sports Zone from 11 to 1 o'clock, it is the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. 
And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is who you got tonight, ATS and Tempe, ASU plus 12 or the U of A minus 12. And Kayla is here and has the early returns. 100% of the vote is on ASU plus 12. Whoa, okay. Those people know that they lost by 45 when they played like less than two weeks ago? It was less than two weeks ago when the U of A crushed ASU in Tucson by 45 points, 105 to 60. Today's X poll question, should Caleb Williams be the first NFL first pick in the NFL draft in, uh, in April? And Caleb, what do we have here? Uh, we have no at 56.3% of the vote. Yes, trailing at 43.8%. That's over on X at KDOS AM 1060. Okay, so this is one of those like times you'd like to have another optional question, like who should be if it's not Caleb Williams. Uh, the biggest question is who might be selecting the first pick, then whether he's going to be the first pick. Uh, would the Bears take him or another team if the Bears opt to trade the selection and go with Justin Fields instead? Meanwhile, from the College Hoops scoreboard, Kentucky's Reed Shepard, as you heard there at the top, scored in the uh, buzzer in the uh, – Kentucky victory at Mississippi State that culminated one of the best games in college basketball this season. I think the best game in college basketball this season as far as quality and excitement and yeah, pretty much everything. Uh, are you convinced now that Kentucky has uh, you know, basically gotten past its previous inconsistency? Meanwhile, around the NFL, Bengals director of player personnel Dave Tobin on Tuesday did not rule out the possibility the team might trade wide receiver T. Higgins, who was franchise tagged earlier this week, should the Bengals trade T. Higgins after they have franchise tagged him. Meanwhile, excuse me, the Raiders, that's the Las Vegas team now, Raiders GM Tom Telesco in his first year with the Raiders said the organization has no plan to trade Devontae Adams. The Jets, among others, reportedly interested in moving up and, and you know, actually to trade for him. They want to reunite him, obviously, the Jets with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the Raiders, should they trade Devontae Adams? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the Pipeline. Uh, we will get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the Pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at x.com slash kdusam1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That'll be followed by Ryan Young of Trojan Sports. Going to talk to him about Caleb Williams. We'll go back to the last couple of years with Caleb Williams at USC. Uh, obviously, the Heisman Trophy season in 2022, not as good in 2023. And we'll also look ahead to 2024 USC football. Obviously, there's no more Pac-12 conference, in part because USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. And uh, USC, are they going to change their philosophy? They're going to change anything uh, moving forward uh, as far as uh, you know, changing conferences and geographically speaking and weather-wise speaking. 
it's certainly going to be different than playing uh, your home games and you know basically most of your road games and pretty decent weather. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSA AM 1060 and Castellux HD2 100.7. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams likely to be the first selection in the NFL draft at the end of April. Out to the KDUS hotline we go uh, for some Caleb Williams talk and some USC 2024 football talk. We're now joined in sports by Ryan Young at Trojan, uh, Trojan Sports. And uh, Ryan, let's start with you know, Williams here. Uh, he obviously uh, had pretty much no flaws during that 2022 Heisman Trophy season. Uh, Williams and his team were not as good in 2023. How would you describe Williams' 2023 season? You know, I, I think statistically it was comparable. He had one clearly bad game at Notre Dame, uh, which kind of was a pivotal moment in their season. It was a very high-profile national spotlight game. Uh, so you can certainly pick apart that. But other than that, I, I thought he looked the same to me. Uh, maybe was feeling some of the pressure of, of carrying the, that, the weight of being that predict number one pick all season, but I, I thought he was the same guy. I, what I think happened is, as always happens, when you get to the mountaintop, when, when you're kind of crowned anything, uh, the, the next move is to get picked apart. And when when you're kind of projected as that, I mean, it, it, I don't recall the last time we had like a, a clear-cut number one pick more than a year before the, a draft, just everyone agreeing mm-hmm. to the guy. And when you have that much time to go carrying that projection, you're just going to get picked apart the whole way, and that's what happened. Yeah, the numbers show that he had fewer opportunities to make plays in the pocket in 2023. Was that because of a more leaky offensive line, or was that because Williams was uh, just trying to make some plays off schedule, so to speak? Uh, a combination of both. It was definitely a worse offensive line. But I, I do think if if you want to critique something, I, I would say he maybe did go to freelancing a little bit more, even more than last year, and um, maybe not always to the, to the strength of the offense. Uh, I think it, it was it was interesting in the bowl game, which he opted out of, and we saw his backup Miller Moss play. It looked more like I'm looking around the offense because everything was on schedule and kind of as he designed mm-hmm. it, unless. Uh, you know, having this transcendent individual talent making plays outside the pocket. But that's one of his strengths. And most of USC's biggest plays this season were when things did break down, when Caleb did buy an extra five seconds and didn't get out there and uh, receivers kind of broke off their routes and found a way to get open. And, and he was in sync with them and big, big plays downfield. So, uh, you know, I, you can critique it, but it's also one of the things he does uh, exceptionally well and one of his elite skills. Also, there's no question that the bad USC defense had Williams and the offense chasing points on the scoreboard more in uh, 2023 than in 2022. How much do you think that played a role in Williams' performance last season? I think he felt a ton of pressure every time he was out there that they had to score that series. Most games, especially the second half of the year, that's the way it went. And 
yeah, I mean, I, I, ideally, if you have a quarterback that you're saying is a generational talent, you'd like to have a better record than they had, especially down the stretch. But the, the defense went off a cliff. If people were watching this team, I mean, they couldn't stop anybody. And that can't help but creep into your, your mindset as, as a quarterback thinking, I can't mess up or I, I can't even have an off series. We, we got to score every single time. Uh, or we're already down by 14. I got to I got to press and get us back in there. So there's no question that that uh, factored into his overall season. But uh, again, I I still thought that he was the same guy I saw the year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One other quick thing about the offense from last season: the other skill players, wide receivers, running backs. How did they compare in 2023 compared to the Heisman season of 2022? I'd say pretty comparable. Uh, there wasn't a Jordan Addison, just a, a singular top flight, uh, clear top half of the draft wide receiver. And, and that became noticeable as things went on. There, there were times last year where uh, Addison really just elevated this offense with his ability to win downfield and get open. But Brendan Rice, uh, Jerry Rice's son, had a phenomenal mm-hmm. breakout season and uh, was just a much more consistent player than he was before was a huge playmaker for them, double-digit touchdowns. Uh, Taj Washington was a great story, kind of an under-the-radar guy his whole career. It just kept getting overlooked each year and kept surprising everyone. He, he had a great season. And then at running back, uh, Marshawn Lloyd, I thought, was the best running back they've had since Ronald Jones. He was phenomenal. Um, in fact, the, my biggest criticism of Lincoln Riley this year was uh, not using him enough and kind of abandoning the run in, in the second half of games because – he, he was just a game changer whenever he was out there. I think he'll be a, a, a huge value in this draft. Wherever he goes, I think he'll outperform his, his draft stock. Ryan Young, a Trojan Sports, curling in the sports zone. Okay, Ryan, put, we're going to have you put on your NFL you know, scout or GM hat here. Uh, what are Williams' yeah. strengths uh, moving from college to the NFL, in your opinion? Yeah, it's been fun to read the discourse and, and entertaining. I mean, I saw Merrill – Hope come out last week and say he's not a special player, and I'm thinking, what? And now, just for some perspective and some background here, I'm not a USC alum. I, I didn't grow up a USC fan. I've been in this business for 20 years. I've covered a bunch of teams around the country, so I think I have a pretty unbiased perspective. He is hands down, no debate in my mind, the best player that I've seen in 20 years of doing this. He is he is a generational talent, and why? It's it's a lot of the Mahomesian Tracy has where just his ability to uncork uh, lasers from any arm angle, from any direction he's running uh, is what separates him from most everybody else. I, some of his best plays to me were just where I just, my jaw dropped and I said, wow, wow this guy's truly special is running to his right, throwing back against his body and just dropping a dime right in the breadbasket of a receiver. And that happened numerous times. And as I said, most of their biggest plays this season were plays that he created uh, on the run, on the move, kind of freelancing. So that to me is number one. Um, arm strength and accuracy are both are both plus. And obviously his agility in the pocket. Now, he made it very clear this year that he did not want to run. It was his preference not to run. Uh, but it's, it's certainly there. And if, he, if he wanted to open that part of his game up now that he's no longer trying to stay healthy for an NFL draft or, or not hurt his draft stock, if he gets to the next level, 
and wants to use his legs more, uh, that's a huge asset. So it, it's it, it's a, maybe a lazy comparison, but it's, it's the best one to me when you look at what Mahomes does and and how he's just kind of broken the mold in a way. Caleb is very much in that same mold, and, and he's heard that, those comparisons. I recall last year at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, someone asked him, you know, about being compared to Mahomes and expecting that he would he would have this, you know, fawning answer like, oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. And no, he, he said, well, yeah, I, I see it, but you know, there's nothing that he does that I can't do. That was his answer a year ago <laughs> about the, the best quarterback in the NFL. So he's a very confident guy. Uh, I think a lot of the personality stuff that's been picked apart is is unfair and just people looking uh, to create a narrative. I mean, his teammates, uh, they loved him. There were no locker room issues as a re- that originated from him in any way. And he just has elite arm talent. He truly does. There's you know, there's a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL that have next-level arm talent. He is already in that group to me. I have zero doubt that he will establish himself in that kind of top tier in short order. Okay. What might be a couple areas that he needs to improve upon from his USC days to be a successful NFL quarterback? Maybe uh, trusting himself in the pocket more, and that'll come based on where he lands and what the offensive line situation is. But I, I, we talked about. I do think he got more off schedule this year um, than maybe he needed to. And I, you know, I, I think. Well, I think a lot of the characterizations about him were unfair. I don't think he always handled the media situation the best. I, I think he got a little sensitive. Questions about some of his the way he responded to things brought on uh, some of the critiques that that came his way. Um, even though I don't don't think that they truly reflected who he, who he is and and his makeup, but uh, he, improving his poise overall, being in the spotlight, and improving his just trust and staying in the pocket and, and making plays that way, and not relying so much on his freelance abilities because at the next level, that's going to be harder to do. You, you can't, you can't expect to be on the move out of the pocket every play, making plays downfield. Yeah. For months, there's been stuff out there about him, maybe not wanting to play in a certain place. I know he's in the last 24 hours. He's actually addressed that and denied that he would not want to play in Chicago. What have you made of all this stuff over the last really several months now? Yeah, I've you know I, I don't I don't know truly uh, what he said or hasn't said, but I, it always seemed like kind of bunk to me. I think it all resonated from before the season. His father gave an interview to I think it was Hugh, where they floated the idea that well maybe he'll come back to school for his senior season if he doesn't like how the draft orders shaping up, and and that question kind of followed him through the whole season. He would get asked about it by road media after road games and uh and i think people really extrapolated from that comment that that he was going to be trying to dictate the process more than most prospects and and i think there was a posturing move by his father who's been very uh in, involved in kind of shaping his whole career but i don't think that there was ever a hard line we're not going to play for this team or we're demanding this or that um i think it was just a posturing move to give them maybe a little leverage or flexibility at that time, but I I think that was more beyond Caleb than coming from the horse's mouth. 
Talking with Ryan Young from Trojan Sports. Okay, on to 2024 USC football. Uh, It's going to seem odd uh, watching USC not play ASU in the Pac-12 the next, uh, you know, God knows how long, maybe forever. (laughs) And uh, obviously playing in the Big Ten. Let's go back a couple years. What was your immediate reaction when it was announced that USC was going to join the Big Ten in 2024? It was a couple seconds of being just totally stunned because <clears throat> there had not been any any kind of leaks or buzz uh, leading up to it. But then the minute it sank in, it also made total sense. I mean, for years, for decades maybe, USC has felt underappreciated in the Pac-12. Um, that felt that they delivered more for the conference than they got in return in terms of revenue sharing and and uh, all that stuff, and wanted to secure a place at the table in, in this new landscape of college football moving forward. And kind of had, had the foresight to realize where this thing is going and that it's eventually maybe going to boil down to uh, two or three conferences, and it's not looking like this is going to be one of them. Let's make sure we have a spot in one of these power leagues moving forward. So I, I'm a traditionalist. I kind of hated to see it happen, and I was definitely stunned when it, when it did. But, the, you know, you think about it for uh, a few minutes immediately, and, and it made total sense for them. You know, the Pac-12 has been known as a passing conference for years, even though USC back in the day, certainly, uh, you know, student body right, student body left, et cetera. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how USC throws the ball in a, you know, colder, quote, bad weather conference. Is Lincoln Riley altering his, you know, pass-first offensive approach here at all? Or uh, you got the because of the geographic uh, you know, change in the conference or you know, any change in the scheme at all? No, I, I wouldn't expect anything in that regard. And I think it's been overblown a little bit. I mean, when you look at their schedule next year, their only cold weather trips are early in the season with uh, with Michigan and Minnesota That's in September and, and then October 5th. So they're not playing in Iowa in mid-November, at least this year. Um, I'm, I'm sure they'll have some of those games over the years, but it's not like it's going to be half the schedule is, is being played on the frozen tundra. So I think there's been a, a little bit <laughs> overblowing that aspect of things. Uh, they're going to do what they do. I think they are adjusting defensively. I think they realize that they have to make some major changes, not only – in terms of uh, personnel, but in terms of how they look at building a defense. I think last year was a really humbling, eye-opening process for Riley. Uh, He's been kind of candid about that, and they have totally overhauled that defensive staff. They've uh, placed a major emphasis on bulking up on the defensive line, on the edges. So I think that's where the adjustment has to come. But he's going to be what he's been his whole career. Um, He'll always tell you, he'll tout the success of his run games over the years and that they want to be a balanced offense. But we've seen it in the last two years. They, they've had a very capable rushing attack, and they've gone away from it more times than not to lean on the pass. So I would expect that they will remain that way. Now, the wrinkle being, they don't have Caleb Williams next year. Um, so that may be the equalizer in some way, but I don't think that Riley's own mindset changes because of the conference shift. You mentioned the defensive changes, obviously moving on from Alex Grinch towards the end of last season. Uh, how much improvement do you expect out of the defense in 2024? It can't help but improve. Uh, how much? 
hard to say. I, I still don't think they have the talent across the board yet. There's major questions at every spot. They tried to plug some holes again with transfers this offseason. And I thought it was very telling that one of Riley's main talking points the last couple of months has been that he wants to get away from relying on the transfer portal and really develop a, de- a defense, especially through stacking multiple recruiting classes and developing that talent. He has emphasized and emphasized and emphasized we want to be the best developers of talent, and that's what he looked for in building his new staff. He, he's referenced Michigan a few times and, and then the way that they kind of uh, went through their lull and then built things back up to obviously get to the get to the peak this past season. But talent-wise, they don't have the, the personnel right away to be a top light defense. Now, what's interesting is that the coordinator they hired, Danton Lynn, comes from UCLA. He turned UCLA right. from the number 80 defense to a top 10 unit last season, and, and they had some uh, a few elite individual players, but they, across the board I wouldn't say that they had uh, elite talent, and he did a lot with that. Small sample size, that's his only year as a coordinator, so how much, how much can you really extrapolate and project from that? It's hard to say, but I have to believe that they are uh, significantly better just in terms of being more organized, uh, less breakdowns, more fundamentally sound, that stuff. Uh, to get to the true top level, they're going to have to have a few more recruiting classes that they really hit on a lot of guys. Okay, the schedule in 2024, if I have this right, includes a game in Las Vegas against LSU and a September road yep. game against Michigan. Later on, there's a home game against Penn State, road game at Washington, and then, of course, the uh, you know the annual battle against UCLA, and then the regular season ends against Notre Dame. What stands out to you about the schedule in 2024? Daunting. Um, I haven't looked at uh, the, the slate across the country, but I have to imagine it's one of the tougher schedules because in addition to the teams you mentioned, you have Wisconsin that can always be tough. You have a Nebraska team that's improving. Um, there's not many easy outs there. It's it's definitely it's definitely the toughest schedule that Riley will have faced in his three seasons. And I I think it's uh, it's going to make it tough for them to to have a I think a, a true banner season next year. I think there's going to be some lumps along the way, and it's going to be a transition year and. A lot of the talk will be about, you know, this is this is year one of, of building this defense back up, and it's going to be a process. I think that'll be a lot of the narrative along the way. But, hey, it's college football. I guess anything can happen. Last up, you mentioned you've, you've been around a little bit in your career. Is there a Big Ten venue that you haven't been to that you're looking forward to going to? Yeah, there's actually a lot. I've pretty well traveled through the, the old ACC and the SEC and Obviously, all the Pac-12 uh, have not been to a ton of the Big Ten places, and one of the ones top of my list uh, was the Big House in Ann Arbor, and USC will be there mm-hmm. September 21st. So that's, that holds a ton of appeal. Um, Penn State, which they'll get on the road, uh, not, not this season, but in the future. Um, obviously, Ohio State, Wisconsin. I mean, a, a bunch of them, but Michigan was tops for me. I'm excited for that to come in season one. Okay, word of advice about going to Penn State. You're going to probably ask at some point, are we ever going to get there? <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, I've heard. It's a, it's a pain in the ass getting there. Uh, so there you go. Just uh, for experience for many years ago. Okay, Ryan, great stuff. I really appreciate it. This has been tremendous. I'm sure we'll be checking back throughout uh, 2024. 
Would love to. Thanks. Thank you very much, Ryan Young of Trojan Sports. Uh, for those of you who have gone to Penn State games, no matter which direction you're coming from, you just kind of wonder. It's like you're a little kid in a car asking your parents, are we there yet? Uh, it's kind of like that. That was uh, that was an interesting experience for me back in the 1995 or 96, somewhere in there. Uh, next segment, phone call time, 602-260-1060. Also, we'll get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. And uh, time pending, some local roundup stuff. Once again, phone call time if you want to jump aboard, 602-260-1060. Don't forget the extra point coming up with Kayla is from 11 to, uh, to 1 o'clock. I had to think there for a second, which I hate to think. That's not a good thing most of the time, but I think I did it right. Uh, so 11 to 1 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and Castellux HD2 100.7. Here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD2. It's time for today's local roundup. We're back to the Sports Zone Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD2 100.7. In addition to local roundup, it is phone call time if you want to jump aboard the KDUS hotline. General discussion 602 260 1060. First up, let's get to some bottom line answers from today's pipeline. These are some of the questions that you might want to tackle too. 602-260-1060. Uh, let's start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Who you got tonight, ATS and Tempe? Uh, the line we used yesterday afternoon when we posted this was uh, ASU plus 12 or the U of A minus 12. That's moved a little bit in the last 24 hours. We'll get to that more in the next segment uh, during the, uh, the, the latest line portion of the national roundup. But that's uh, the uh, the KDUS1060.com poll question. Today's Twitter X question is, uh, should Kayla Williams be the first pick of the 2024 NFL draft? Uh, so we'll get to those answers during the extra point in the 1230 segment. Uh, of course, the extra point hosted by Kayla. Quickly, let's uh, get to some other bottom line items here uh, you know, from the, uh, you know, the, 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 three, the three other questions from the pipeline today. We'll answer those right now. Are you confident that Kentucky has uh, gotten past uh, its previous inconsistency? Last night they win in overtime. Well, it wasn't quite overtime. They won right before the buzzer. It was almost overtime. They won at the buzzer against the Mississippi State in Starkville. One of the best games, if not the best game in college basketball this season. The bottom line, convince is too strong a word for me to use here. With Kentucky, uh, with the uh, you know, convinced that they're over the inconsistency, uh, but the high level of performance they've had in three of the last four games, I think that they're at least developing some consistency. Uh, I and I think many others have said for weeks that Kentucky has more NBA talent than any team. So we'll see if that uh, you know actually continues uh, here in the next few weeks for the rest of the season. Meanwhile, should the Bengals trade T. Higgins after the franchise tagged him earlier this week? The bottom line is the uh, Bengals are publicly talking about trading Higgins. 
I think that actually would be a wise move considering the long-term issues that they have with a lot of the young talent. They've got to figure out how they're going to sign all these guys, and even with the expanded cap, seems to be pretty impossible financially. Uh, so I would be uh, completely advocating the Bengals trading T. Higgins. They need a lot of pieces, and uh, they got a, they have an opportunity to get some of those pieces uh, back via, I'm assuming, draft picks if they would actually trade Higgins. As far as the Raiders trading Devontae Evans, should they trade him? First of all, I'm not buying into the so-called Raiders late-season turnaround. Uh, the current roster still is one of the worst in the NFL. They still don't have a quarterback on the roster, in my opinion. The Raiders should trade Adams and whomever else that they think is any good uh, to get the best draft picks in return. Adams, I think, would get the most in return. All right, on to the phone lines. Rob and Mason, what's going on, Rob? Hello, Bob. Um, I believe Caleb Williams should be the number one pick. I just don't know if the Bears should make that pick. Quarterback is not a position of need on this team. I don't even think it's a top three position of need. Um, I think with the quarterbacks, you have to put them in the right system. And Patrick Mahomes' draft, if he's drafted by the Bears, I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes of today. If C.J. Stroud is drafted by the Panthers, I don't think he's C.J. Stroud of last year. So unless the Bears have the perfect system to get him and elevate him into the NFL game, I don't think they make the pick. I think they should trade the pick because of everything they need. Now, with that being said, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, hopefully, when they do pick Williams and they have that second pick in the first round, they go get one of these big linemen because from everything I hear, there's five to six linemen that can come in and do a very good job, if not a uh, top-notch job. Uh, I, I I go back and forth with the whole Caleb Williams deal because I think he will be a good quarterback. I, this is kind of a weird question. Caleb Williams is a bear. Is he better than Brock Purdy as a 49er today? No. Will he be in three years? That's a huge possibility. But we don't well, know. Well, I think the question is, is he going to be better than Justin Fields? You sound like you're convinced True. in Justin Fields. Tell me why. I think Justin Fields needs a lot of help. I think when he came in his first year, Andy Dalton was in his way. They didn't know what to do with him. They threw him in there, so he was kind of behind the table there. Last year, I think if he has help, he can be a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be great. Um, DJ Moore speaks highly of him, and he, that's his teammate. Other teammates speak highly of him. I know and that's teammates, and that's brotherly love, and that's my teammate, so I'm going to battle for him. Um, I don't think he's going to be a great quarterback. I'm going to tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it like this. If Caleb Williams gets drafted and becomes a good quarterback, one of the main things I want him to do is beat the Packers. Because everybody from Mike Phipps to Bob Avellini to Vince Evans Mike has not Phipps. got that job right. done. Mike Phipps. I watched him play in college at Purdue back in the day. And in 1968, Ohio State beat the number one ranked Purdue Boilermakers in Columbus and went on to win the national championship. Okay. That, that, was, uh, my first, that was my first guy, number 15. Yeah. I mean, he was really good. He was a good college quarterback. He was okay in the NFL. He had skills, at least, in the NFL. 
Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to beg to disagree. You know, I'm going to beg to disagree a little bit on the, the fields thing. I, I just, I'm not, I didn't like him that much as an NFL prospect when he was at Ohio State. And I, quite frankly, see a lot of the same things right now, three years later at uh, Chicago, that I saw at Ohio State. And the biggest problem is he is still not figured out how to protect himself against vicious hits. And he's now been injured in five con- five consecutive years, uh, going back to Ohio State in his first three years with the pre. That's never going to change. I don't think he's ever going to learn it. I mean, and he okay. does. He takes he takes vicious, unnecessary hits, and he just has no idea how to protect himself. I can't disagree with you, Bob. I'm just I I just don't want Caleb Williams to get drafted. And everybody says he's the next next unicorn, but then he goes into a system where he's never going to be able to succeed. I don't know about the new OC. It's more the general manager was building the team around him, I should say, is my my objection. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, Ryan Poles is just a big year for him. Obviously, he's done a tremendous job creating all this cap space. They've, They've added, they've made a couple of very shrewd trades the last two years, whether it be the number one pick or whether it be the in-season trades last year. This is a very, uh, I would say that the next you know, four months uh, are going to determine the Bears' fate in the future and Ryan Poles' future probably even after next year. So how's that for an answer? Uh, great. And I don't think he's a dud or anything like that. I'm not saying – I'm just thinking a quarterback needs to go in the right system, and I'm not sure Chicago's the right system for, well, shoot, any quarterback these days. I'm, I hate to say it, but – Okay, well, you're just scarred. You're scarred. You're scarred since Sid Luckman was there as a quarterback. So I understand that. I mean, I lived in Chicago for nine years, and that's all I ever heard about is that the last time we had a good quarterback was Sid Luckman in the '40s, and here we are, 25 years later, and it's still the same damn thing. So, whatever. So good luck. Good luck. Good. Good luck to you all. <laughs> so. hey, we got baseball season. We we got Cody in there, so let's 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 go. There we go. Okay, it also is the worst division in baseball, so you can't win that. They're not going to win any division, so that's a good thing. Thanks, Bob. Okay, thank you very much. One other quick note here in the uh, technical the local roundup segment. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals coach, spoke at his uh, – they had the mandatory NFL scouting combine press conference uh, for him as a head coach yesterday. Predictably – uh, predictably, I mean, what the hell is he going to say? Uh, he had good things to say about Kyler Murray. I'm going to use Josh Weinfuss uh, from uh, ESPN, yeah, part of his story here at ESPN.com. Uh, he quoted, uh, you know, Gannon is saying it's reps and uh, uh, time on task, among other things. Also, Murray showed uh, that he has, uh, you know, his comfort level in the Cardinals offense, according to Gannon, is at a really high level. Uh, and also, uh, Gannon said he thinks he'll pick up right where he left off at the end of last year. The bottom line, what's Gannon supposed to say? Uh, so, you know, this is hardly earth-shattering news. I listened to probably, oh, bits and pieces of 10 coaches yesterday and general managers, one or the other or both, talking to the media at the Combine yesterday. And the only thing I got out of any of this was, you know, the, gen, the Tobin, the general manager, whatever his title is, it's not general manager, whatever his title is with the Bengals, basically saying that, uh, you know, trading, uh, you, know, you know, T. Higgins might be a possibility. That is the only thing that I got out of you know, 
like two hours of listening to this crap yesterday and listening to Jonathan Gannon all year long. Um, I'm not blaming him at all, uh, but he really doesn't say anything usually about anything. And just him defending Kyler Murray, this is supposed to be a news story? Give me a break. All right, next segment, National Roundup time. We do as much as we can in the National Roundup, including some and, uh, college basketball last night. Excellent night of college basketball last night. Just Not just the Kentucky-Mississippi State game. We'll go through a couple of games. Uh, some uh, hopefully good games tonight. We'll give you a little latest line info on that. And then time pending, we'll get to some Rip from the headlines and uh, from the school, uh, from the uh, from the wire and uh, time pending again. Heard through the grapevine. There's no way I'm gonna get to all that, but we'll get as much in as we possibly can. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD2 100.7. information about KDUS AM 1060, try KDUS1060.com at KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter and Facebook.com slash KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. little latest line action for tonight. ASU against the U of A, the opening line was the U of A a 12.5-point favorite, total 159.5. The current line, as a few moments ago, uh, the U of A now down to an 11.5-point favorite, total 159.5 is still the same. Auburn at Tennessee tonight, excellent game in the SEC, hopefully, because I'm going to plan my day around this kind of, at least for a while, till the ASU game starts at 8 o'clock tonight. Tennessee is 6.5-point favorite in the opening number. That's down to 6. Total sitting at 151.5. That's now up to 152. Seton Hall at Creighton. Uh, Creighton opened a three and a half point favorite. That has not changed. The total from 145, 144.5, excuse me, now down to 144. Alabama at Old Miss. Uh, opening number on this game, the numbers. Uh, Alabama five and a half. Total 166.5. It is an Alabama game. They don't guard anybody and they can score. Uh, Alabama now a five-point favorite down from five-and-a-half. Total still sitting at 156-and-a-half. College basketball from last night. Kentucky has now uh, collected consecutive wins against quad one opponents for the first time this season. You heard Reed Shepard's game-winning shot uh, at uh, Mississippi State last night. He ended up with a career-high 32 points in that game. Meanwhile, shorthanded Kansas lost at home to BYU. Uh, they actually uh, had a first-half lead, a substantial first-half lead, and then BYU wiped out the 12-point deficit and then held on for a 78-68 victory. They pulled away very late in this game and went at Lawrence last night. More problems for Kansas injury-wise. Kevin McCullough Jr. out again. He's now missed five of the last six games with a bruised knee. And they didn't seem, not like I'm expecting them to tell us when he might play, uh, but they, uh, Bill Self, after the game, didn't seem to really have much of a timetable on McCullough Jr., who leads the Big 12 in scoring as to when he might come back. They play Saturday uh, at Baylor, uh, so they could certainly use him in that game. Houston won its first game this season as a number one team, 
L.J. Cryer, 22 points. And uh, they took care of Cincinnati, which is not a very good team, 67-59. to And also last night, uh, Texas was dominated against Texas Tech. Uh, Dylan DeSue, 21 points uh, for the Longhorns, uh, 81-69. to I quit watching this game like at halftime when it was like a 20-something point differential then. Just a second home loss in 16 home games this year for Texas Tech. A couple of things from the uh, NFL. Uh, the Chiefs reportedly are uh, going to franchise uh, tag cornerback uh, Legereus Sneed if the two sides can't agree on a contract extension. That's a big if there. Meanwhile, the uh, 49ers' John Lynch said on Tuesday that ASU alum Brandon Ayuk is, quote, a guy we'd like to keep around, end of quote. They've got some salary cap uh, decisions on their own to make. Uh, the Chargers' general manager, uh, Jay, uh, actually, uh, Horitz, uh, Ortiz, excuse me. Uh, strange spelling on that name. My bad on that. I'll get used to that. Uh, he uh, did not comment yesterday at his press conference at the combine about the futures of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, inside linebackers or outside linebackers, uh, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, obviously the Chargers and Salvary Capel. Meanwhile, Titans general manager Rand Carthen said he's open to making a trade and trading down from the seventh pick of the NFL draft. All right, that would be the sports zone for today. We'll have more on college basketball in the uh, next couple hours with Kayla during the extra point. And I'm assuming some of these other things too. So thanks for listening. It's been the sports zone with Bob Kemp. Stay tuned. The extra point with Kayla coming up next. Next.